Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. All right, all right. So glad you are here today. You can take a seat. And once again, if you are online, welcome to Freedom Church. Glad you're joining in. Man, today, I promise you, this is going to be worth hanging around for. And those of you that's in the audience here, listen, we're going to have a great time together as today we're starting a brand new series called Believe. Can you say that word with me? Believe. Man, we're going we're gonna to take a journey through this today, and I hope you'll stay with me. And when it's done and when everything is said today, you're challenged in your growth and your faith with God. That's what the entire goal of this is, to be able to do that. So, we're going to talk about today how to keep the good news good. So, when you think about Christmas, you know, we get excited. We, we, we hope and pray that it, we see it as good news. And, and here's what I know about good news. Good news is good when we hear it, we want to believe it, right? But what about when you hear bad news? You know what you often say? How many of you have ever said this like I have? You hear some bad news and the first thing comes in your mouth, I can't believe that. You ever done it? Yep, we've all done it. We've all done it. Well, I can't believe that because you know why you can't believe that? Because you don't want to believe that because it's what? It's bad news. And we don't want to hear it, you know, and we just don't want to believe it. We don't want to receive it that it is bad news. And so when you think about that, though, when you hear good news, you believe it without hesitation because you're hoping that it is really true. Now, how many of you here believe in Santa Claus? Raise your hand. St. Nicholas is real, people. It should be 100%. Okay, do your homework. Anyway, with that being said, when you think about Santa Claus, he's got to be real. He's coming to town, right? He's coming to town. That's what I've always heard. See, he's coming to town. But anyway, how many of you believe the good news that a baby named Jesus was born to be the Savior of the world. You, you believe that? Okay, man, we're going to go on a wonderful journey together today because Christmas is a time for believing, not just believing now, but it's year-round believing that Jesus is the good news who is God that put skin on and walked among men. To me, one of the most famous verses of the Bible, and I'm not belittling John 3, 16. It's a wonderful verse, but to me, one of the most famous verses of the Bible that you can apply to your life spiritually that sums up everything about Jesus and where you're going in your believing process as Christians. And if you're already a believer, if you're not a believer, you'll have your opportunity today. But if you're, if you're a believer, you want to lean in on this. Look what it says in John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written so that you may continue to, what's that word say? That you continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by what? Believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. See, you'll never experience what life is. You'll just exist until you take this journey of continuing to believe. And that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to break it down so you understand it. Because Jesus' life mission was to bring good news that we would believe in the Messiah, that He would be the Savior of the world. We see there in Luke's gospel, chapter 1, that an angel, Gabriel, comes to Mary, begins to tell her, you are highly favored, Mary, and begins to tell her that she's going to have a baby. And she has a little bit of pushback, not in doubt, like 
Zechariah did, doubted in the holiest of holies when the angel told him that they were going to have a baby. He doubted. Mary was ignorant because she wants to find out. Say, I, I don't know a man. I'm, I'm a virgin. I'm not, I don't know a man. I'm not married. How's this going to happen? So the angel Gabriel begins to tell her how it's going to happen. And it goes on to tell us in Luke 1 and verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. Well, then, what, does, what is Mary's response in verse 38? And I'm just bringing you up through this. She tells him, said, I am the Lord's servant. And she says, may everything you said about me come true. May everything you said about me come true. Then Mary takes a journey to Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth was already pregnant with John the Baptist, her and Zechariah, old in age. And whenever Mary enters, what happens? John the Baptist in her womb leaps because she and, and John the Baptist in her womb are in the presence of Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus. And when that happens, all of a sudden, Mary says, is having this conversation, but yet Elizabeth says these words in a verse that a lot of people don't look at and break down and apply. Verse 45 in Luke's gospel, check this out. It says, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Do you understand that you are blessed, we are blessed like Elizabeth was blessed and telling Mary she was blessed. You are blessed because you do what the Lord hear, what you believed of him, and we'll be blessed. But belief is not a one-time event. Belief is a journey. Grab that. Belief and believe is a journey. We're going to go on that journey together today. So, I want you to also look in that belief and how that it happens in John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 12. It says, but to all who believed him, talking about Jesus, accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Are you happy that you get to be a child of God? Raise your hand. I'm happy that I get to be a child of God. Yes. When you believe him and you receive him, that's what he's saying. You accept him as your own. That is the good news. That's what we're going to talk about today. So we go back to Luke's gospel, chapter 2, in the last part of verse 10. Here in this setting, we know that the angels are telling the shepherds that I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Now, the gospel is the good news. The good news is the God spell. It is the Greek of Euon Gileon. This is good news. And without hesitation, what are these guys doing? These shepherds, they're leaning into good news because when you hear good news, what do you do? You lean in because you want to hear the details, right? You want to know every detail of the good news because you're excited about it. And that's what they were doing in this moment because the good news is going to bring great joy to all people. So we look at that first word, believe. Think about believe. Believe. Believe is when you accept something as true. Believe is when you accept something that it is genuine. Believe is when you have this real wholehearted conviction about it. But there's a problem. The problem with the current generation about Christianity isn't that they don't believe in God, but that the good news isn't good enough to pursue it. And what do you mean, Pastor? Maybe it's you or someone you know. Maybe it's you and you, you're scrolling across social media and you stopped across this and it's you and you believe God. You believe, you believe in a God, but maybe it was a friend that they said they were a Christian and you hung out with them at some point in your life and 
And then they started telling you things and doing things that you knew that this can't be of God. Maybe you were a part of a youth group. And that youth group, someone was up there leading worship, one of the teenagers, but next thing you know, they were doing things that they didn't need to be doing. And you thought, is that of God? Or maybe you had a pastor that had a moral failure, or you had a pastor that you found out that they were abusive, or they done things that nobody wants to mention behind closed doors. Or maybe, God forbid, the reason you don't believe to the point that you want to follow Christ is because you were abused by someone that was a Christian. Or God forbid, raped by someone that was a Christian. Or someone that you know was a Christian stole something from you, but yet they stand up and sing, oh, how I love Jesus. The list can go on and on. Maybe there's a business partner. And you say, we have Christian ethics at this company, but you know they're fudging the books by, behind closed doors. Why is that that people don't want to pursue? What has happened? The original version of the good news and the reason some people don't want to pursue it because the original version is not what they heard. They heard perversion. And that's why I believe today, why churches are drying up and churches are empty and seats are unfilled in the church today. The original news of Jesus Christ was so compelling that people were believing it everywhere. People were saying, did you hear? Did you, did you hear about Jesus? He was up at Galilee and there was thousands of people and they didn't have anything to eat. And he took these few fishes and, and loaves of bread. And if my cousin had been there, I wouldn't have believed it. He saw it with his own eyes. He fed all 15,000 of them, including men and women and children. Did, could you believe it? Could you believe it? Man, I knew that woman. She had spent everything she had. And, and she went up and just touched Jesus' hem of his garment. And, and the issue of blood dried up. And then next thing you know, I heard down the road that he went down there. And Jairus, you know, that temple guy, that servant, yeah, his daughter died. She was 12. And they were all down there mourning, and, and they were making fun of Jesus because he said she was asleep. And next thing you know, she was raised from the dead. Jesus raised her from the dead. Can you believe it? Hey, a friend of mine, yeah, he couldn't hear. Jesus stuck his fingers in his ear. Um, I know another person over here. They said that this person couldn't see, and Jesus just took, made a spitball of mud, put it on his eye. I could see. It goes on, no, no. Story after story. That's why they were believing. And Luke was one of the ones who wanted to shout out about Jesus. It says in Luke's gospel 16 and 16, until John the Baptist, the law of Moses and the messages of the prophets were your guides. In other words, the old law system. But now the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone's eager to get in. <laughs> didn't you see you had all kinds of trouble getting a parking lot today? You had trouble getting a seat in here, didn't you? Where's the eagerness for everyone to get in? eagerness oh we got COVID going on <laughs> how long will people make COVID an excuse I'm not saying it's not there I had it there's people dying from it but I'm saying are we going to live in fear are we going to live in what we want in faith in Christ okay you understand what I'm saying we need to be respectable of everything that's going on, but people will use COVID as an excuse not to go to church. People will use, I don't have time to go to church. I work too many hours, I'm not going to go to church. Where are people at in the kingdom of God that's eager to get in? What's happened to the eagerness? I'm, I'm going to explain that to you today. 
I'm going to let you, help you to be able to understand. There's a brand new kingdom values here. And Jesus came down from, from heaven and put on skin, okay? The original version of Christian faith, they not only wanted to believe it, but next, take a step further, they wanted to receive it. They want to receive it. And you say, what do you mean? Well, if you believe it and you haven't received it, then I beg the question of why. Could it be that the life and the teaching and the message of Jesus Christ isn't truly good news for you? Could it be that? Maybe it's because the version, maybe you're watching online, the version that you grew up with or the version that you walked away from or maybe the version that you're thinking about walking away from wasn't the original version. It was not good news. The original version for you was perversion. This past week, I went up into Kentucky to buy something I found on Marketplace. I hate Marketplace because it's keeping me broke. Not kidding. I wish they'd take it offline. I'm telling you what, it's keeping me broke. I'm telling you what, I need to, I need to go to a Marketplace Anonymous group. If you know of one, let me know so I can go to it because I need to stay away from it. Anyway, this was a God-ordained moment, though. This is fun. I met a couple, and I made the purchase with them, and it was Dustin and Kendra. They were 25 years old, each of them. They had been married just maybe close to a year, a year or so. And uh, after we got done, I, they knew I was a pastor, and I was cutting up with them about having kids and, and things like that and having fun and just breaking the ice. And when we got done before I left, I said, so let me ask you guys, are you guys believers? And Dustin says, I am. And Kendra, I looked at her, and she says, I'm not. So I said, do you care if I asked you why? She said, sure, I'll be glad to tell you. She said, I grew up and I attended a Pentecostal church, and We've seen so much out of the pastor's son that he never was chastised or never was reprimanded for in things that he did, but yet they held us all to another standard. Therefore, if that was God, I didn't want no part of it. You know what Kendra's problem was? She didn't get the original, true version great God, the good news. And when you think about it, she believed in God, but she hadn't received his son because the original version was perverted to her. Someone presented a God that wasn't God. And in the first century, what we're studying about here today, few people had their stories ever told. Did you know that? Few people could write, few people could read. And if you did have your story told, you had to be rich in order to be able to hire the ones that could write and have the quill and to be able to do it. So Jesus here, think about him. His story has been written about Jesus as an ordinary carpenter from Nazareth. And so why in the world are they writing about him? Because he impacted so many people's lives with the good news. So it's not just having one account of the gospels. It's amazing that we have four accounts of the gospel. And that is absolutely incredible. But look what it says in Luke chapter 1 verse 1. Look at the very first word. Many. Say the word. Say many. It says many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. How many is many? Is it four, like I said, four God, or is it 40? We don't know, but it's, he's saying it's many. So Luke says, I'm giving an account of Jesus and I'm not the only one. Think about this. I want to ask you a question. How many of you here, we know writing's really easy today. You can write books, you can do all this, whatever you do, ghost writers, whole nine yards. But here's my question. 
with writing being very easy today. How many of you here, someone's texting you and they're beating your door down with letters and with emails and they're wanting to write a biography about you? How many of you have got somebody trying to do that? Raise your hand. They're beating your door down. How many's doing it? Well, if we say many here about us, we put one word in front of many, not many, right? Not happening. But here, how many of you get excited when you think about this? Why did they write about a man named Jesus who was already gone at this point? He was already in heaven. Some people that didn't believe he was the Messiah just believed he was dead and they stole his body. Because something about him was so awesome and the good news was so amazing that they believed it and they received it because of it being true, unadulterated gospel good news of Jesus. Look, at, look as we continue on in Luke 1, it says, They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from early disciples, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning. I also have dis- decided to write an accurate account for you. So you see that? They carefully investigated. He's writing an accurate account about it. Most honorable Theophilus. Now, Theophilus, we're not sure who he is, but what we understand and what's the, uh, what theologians have said, he was probably a very wealthy guy who had became a Christian, and he may have been able to even helping Luke about anything he needed to get this written out because he wanted to know the accurate account. So as so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. So Luke was confident in what he said when he said many. Now what was the story, why was the story so worth telling and believing? Because it was good and it was true. And it wasn't until Jesus was grown up and Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River that people would experience the good news. That forgiveness is available for people. Just ask God. You didn't have to sacrifice animals anymore and spend the money for that. You don't have to work for it anymore. And when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law and he presented grace, unmerited favor for mankind. And Jesus is teaching. He's going about teaching. He's doing miracles. And people wanted to believe and seeing what's happening that he was the coming Messiah. We know as we travel on in Luke's word there, You've heard of the story of the paralyzed man. <laughs> Here, Jesus in a setting, and the house is packed, and people are inside, outside, looking in the windows. And, and next thing you know, as Jesus is teaching, and there's Pharisees there, and they're watching, trying to catch him teach something apart from the old law. And next thing you know, dust is falling down, and, and I think it captured everybody's attention. And next thing you know, a, a hole comes in the roof, and I'm thinking about the guy that owns the house. He's like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe I've invited this guy, Jesus, here. Honey, called Jerusalem Farm Bureau. They've tore our house up. And, and next thing you know, they start letting this guy down, down in front of Jesus, and he gets down on the floor, and everybody's watching in anticipation of what's taking place. And this guy that's paralyzed is looking up at Jesus, and Jesus looks down to him and says, your sins are forgiven. And the guy on his mat and said, that's not why I'm here. And then the Pharisee is thinking, blasphemy, blasphemy, which is punishable by death. And He's there saying, blasphemy, and all of a sudden, here in this situation, we see that as they've lowered him down, no one had ever taught something like this before. No one has ever said nothing like this before. This was conflicting to what the Pharisees knew. It was opposite of what they had been taught by God. Maybe there's some things that's opposite of what you've been taught by God. Maybe there's a reason today why people are walking away from faith. Maybe there's a reason that people are choosing not to believe Because somebody presented them a view of God totally different than what Jesus was presenting in the first century to these believers. 
So they're hollering blasphemy, and, and, the, and the Pharisees are going berserk. And, and next thing you know, he's saying, forgive sins. And Jesus knew their thoughts. And so what does Jesus go on and say? You know, yeah, you're right. <laughs> God forgives sin. Also, God can heal. Check this out. Verse 24 in Luke 5, he says, so I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. <laughs> wow. The old system, the old law system here is done away with. It's gone. And now it was good news. It was good news for all generations. It was good news for all nations, for people to be able to believe. And many people to say they believe today. And you know what? Even the demons say they believe. And the scripture tells us in James 2 and 19 that they tremble. People don't today, when they think about them believing in God, they say, well, I believe in God. <laughs> yeah, I believe in God. But I don't like being called no sinner. I don't like nobody making me feel guilty. I don't like nobody making me feel shameful. It sounds like to me they're just a guilty, shameful sinner. But anyway, with that being said, the reason people say things like that is because they don't understand what Jesus said that sin is. you got to understand that sin is missing the mark of a standard that Almighty God, that, of Him, that we can't do on our own. And sin is hurting another person that God loves. Understand that. Sin is, a, is when you do something against a person that's making God's image, you're sinning against God. Romans 3 and 23 tells us that for all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. So, understand that all of us have hurt other people. All of us have been people that have lied. We have betrayed someone. We have been dishonorable to someone. We've been disrespectful. You may have stolen something. You may have had sexual immorality. The list goes on and on. We all fall short of our own standard, not to even mention God's standard. And Jesus claims the ability to forgive sin and make you right with God. That's good news. You believe it and you receive it, but it gets better. Look at the person next to you and say, it gets better. Because it does. It gets a lot better. Anyone, no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, what sins you've committed, whatever your last name is, no matter the things that's in the skeletons in your closet or what point that you are in your life, when you believe Jesus and receive Jesus, then, then you get to become this is where we're going. You believe, then you receive, and then you become. Now, let's go a little bit further. When Jesus gets done here, and, and they let the guy down through the roof that didn't know that there was a service the next hour that he was going to hold. <laughs> but anyway, he gets done. Jesus' disciples, they all leave, and they go to the next town. And as they're traveling, if you did not know this, as they're traveling on the road, they get to a point that they meet a tax collector because there's a toll to be paid. His name is Levi. It says later in verse 27 of Luke 5, it Jesus left the town. He saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth, like a toll booth. Follow me and be my disciples, Jesus said to him. Now, why would this be weird? Because first and foremost, Levi is a Roman tax collector. Levi is hated. Le Levi, to everybody else, is a despicable person. And why in the world would Jesus say to the tax collector, Levi, come and be my disciple? This guy right here is blown away by Jesus' word because no rabbi has ever invited him to do that ever in his life. I mean, this guy was so bad, he could have been a really bad sermon illustration for Jesus and used his life. And just think about Levi's thinking, this guy's asking me, where are we going? He says, we're going to go to your house. And the, could you imagine the stank face of all the disciples looking at Levi? You ever had them stank face Christians look at you for? You ever had them look at you for like that? 
because they were so self-righteous. It makes me wonder in that moment because the old system of laws going out, grace is coming in, and where were the disciples called in that moment? What were they doing when they looked at I can imagine they're talking about, we can go to his house, but I'm standing outside. I'm standing outside on the sidewalk. I, I'm, I'm, I'm standing out here at the culty sack. I'm not even getting near his house. I don't want anybody to know that I'm near this tax collector's house. I can imagine what they were thinking. And he lets him know, you know what, Levi, I've come so that you can believe, you can receive, and you can become. See, Jesus' followers, no matter their, their status, they have the opportunity not to just be invited to do good. But when we believe and receive and become in the kingdom of Almighty God, we're invited to be good. We're invited to become in the kingdom of Almighty God. Become. Do you understand what that word means? It means to change. It means to grow. It means to be. It means it's an action-oriented verb, what I'm describing here. And it's not just to be good, but you do good in your life, in the new kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus was trying to betray to them. And that's what he's describing. Do good to those who hate you. You ever do good to those who hate you? How about this? How about do good to those who mistreat you? Would you do that? You say, well, Pastor, you're getting out of the book now. Am I? Am I? Look what it says right here. Look what Luke goes on to say in chapter 6. He says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do the good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, <laughs> offer the other cheek also. If someone, if someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get it back. Do to others as you would like for them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money to those who can repay you, why, would you, why should you get credit? He said, no credit for you, loser. That's what he's saying. That's what I'm getting here. Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. But let me say this. If you truly get this next part, you have taken a step from just believing and receiving to becoming because it is evidence that you're growing and you're changing and ultimately becoming. It says, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. Here's the last sentence, last part of the sentence. For he, talking about God, is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. See, this was brand spanking new to the ears of Jesus' people here in this moment. And it might even be brand new to you. And you're thinking, wow, is this so true? It's good news. Why is it good news? Because I'll look at me. I've been unthankful. And I've been wicked. And I think if you were honest, you would say, that you have been too. And maybe this hasn't been your view 
or your version of Christianity. Jesus presenting a God who is graceful even to the unthankful and to people that are wicked. Now, here's what I know. This can be confusing to us, and you say, why? Why is it? Why is it confusing? You and I know this isn't how most Christians act. Are you with me? Most Christians don't act this way. It's totally off. There's a cultural Christianity taking place that's far apart from the version that Jesus is presenting here. Why isn't our reputation as Christians today holistically the same reputation of the God that Jesus was presenting 2,000 years ago? Why aren't we known for being kind to the unthankful? Why aren't we known for being kind to those that are wicked? Why aren't we known for being kind and showing mercy to those who are merciless? Why aren't we known for serving people who want absolutely nothing to do with God or the church? Wouldn't it be great if people in this community, all you heard them say, boy, those Freedom Church people, man, I just think they, I just don't understand. They're, they're, they just got to be weird, man. Have you seen the things you're doing? Man, I work around one of them. You can't offend them. You can't, you can't even make them mad. I try. I tried to make them mad. And all they do is smile at me. They smile. And I tried to do everything I could do to get them to cuss. They wouldn't even say a cuss word. Man, out of the day, I was at Walmart, and they had this sticker on their car, and they said, you need a parking spot? They backed out and gave me that, and they drove to the back of the lot. I thought, they are weird. They've got to be drunk or high or something. They must be following some kind of values that's out of this world. Hello. Wouldn't that be great? If we were known as the most selfless, serving, loving giving, merciful people. And that was our reputation. Why is it that all Christians everywhere do not have a stellar reputation as I just described? Because too many, too many Christians for too many generations have been content to believe to get a get-out-of-hell-free card and not ever become what God created them to become. Believing makes no difference. Listen to me. Believing and receiving makes no difference in this life, in this life right now. It makes a difference in eternity to come. You got your ticket to get into heaven. But if you don't become, then you miss out on the very reason of what God wants to use you now in this world to touch another life for the next world. Look at this next verse. It says, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Be compassionate. But maybe if you grew up with a version of Christianity and you didn't see God as compassionate, you didn't get the original version, so it's not good news for you. Luke said this in chapter 2 and verse 11. He said, the Savior, yes, the, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. He's saying that you and I need a Savior. Why do we need a Savior? Because we all fall short. And here's what I will tell you about the kingdom of God. There's no room for self-righteous people. I'll ask you this question. And before you answer by raising your hand, 
Please think about it. Is Christianity good for the world? Is Christianity good for the world? I believe it is. Is Christianity good for the world? I believe it is. And I believe we'd all raise our hand and say that Christianity is good for the world. Luke thought it was. He pinned down this word. John thought it was. Matthew thought it was. Mark thought it was. Peter thought it was. Paul got knocked off his high horse and went on a church planting venture. Many of them thought so. Why was it? Because the original version of Christianity was really good news. We can't just say that we're believers unless we're becoming. Why is that? Because there's a lost world that's around us who truly need to know the true original version of a loving God who came in the form of a man named Jesus, who came to this world and who came here to to be able to come for you and I. He came here, he was misunderstood, he was rejected, he was criticized, he was talked about, he was hurt, he was sentenced to death, and he was beat and he was mocked and he was spit upon, he was nailed to a cross to die for me and for you tempted in all the ways we're tempted yet he never sinned he became sin for me and you to save us so we could become like him in this life until we spend eternity with him in the next life see the original version of good news was truly great joy for all people now I want to ask you if you're a believer today and you're a Christian to do this with me. You don't have to, but if you are truly serious in your walk with God, I want to ask you to either get a pencil and a piece of paper or notes in your phone, and I'm going to ask you 10 questions. And on those 10 questions, when I asked you about 10 vital signs of becoming, I want you to just simply write down, all you got to do is when you hear the question, write down a number between 0 and 10. And then when we get done, add them up. And this is just for your eyes only. But if you are serious about becoming everything God created you to be, I challenge you to take this moment, answer these questions, and I will tell you, I truly believe the number that pops in your mind, God will give you the right number. This is not about whose number is bigger or other. It's about where you're at in becoming and the goal to become more that God has created you for. Ten vital signs of becoming. Number one, my faith is involved in every aspect of my life. Think about that. Life isn't a slice of pie mentality. It's, it's not work slice. It's not spiritual slice. It's not hobby slice. Listen, segment, people a lot of times they segment their lives and their spiritual life and, and uh, into a little slice. And if you do a little slice of spiritual life, then you're missing out on God's best for your life. Because spirituality is not a little slice. It's the filling of the pie, folks. The next question, because of my faith, I have meaning and purpose in my life. So I I need to really understand that, Pastor. Have you discovered your meaning and purpose in this life? Next question is this. My faith gives me inner peace. What is opposite of inner peace, church? It's when you have constant worry. You're wringing your hands. You're, You're just worried all the time and you're in anxiety. You're uncertain about the future God has for you through Jesus. 
Next one is, I am a person who is spiritually committed. Now be careful how you write this one. Write it with confidence, but write it conservatively. And you say, what do you mean? You're spiritually committed today. You're at church. God bless you. You're here. You're spiritually committed today if you're watching online. God bless you. But when people look at your life, do they see and say, man, that Brent, he's spiritually committed. He hit his finger the other day with a hammer at work, and he didn't even cuss. He said, praise the Lord, when the blood was flying. I mean, think about that. It's being hypothetical. But when people look at your life, do they say, man, that Keith, that dude, he's spiritually committed. They look at you like that. They say, that man over she's she's spiritually committed. I could go on and on. When they look at your life, do they say that about you? Here's the next one. I spend time in worship every day. You say, wait a minute, worship's what I do on Sunday. No, no, we're talking about a lifestyle. When I say worship, I'm not talking about music. I'm talking about praying, reading the Bible, meditating on God's Word, journaling, doing these things each day. This is something that you do. Where are you at on it? How about this one? Because of my faith, I have forgiven people who have hurt me deeply. Now, that's a challenging one, isn't it? All of us have had people in our past who have hurt us, done things to us. Have we truly forgiven them? My faith has called me to develop my given, got my given gifts and talents. In other words, is are you honoring God and to worship God and to serve God in His church for what He's given you to do? How about this? I will take an unpopular stance to defend my faith. I'm not talking about being dogmatic and being ugly. I'm talking about doing that with love. Have you stood up in today's times for your faith when you know that it's going to be unpopular? How about number nine? It says, I speak words of kindness to those in need of encouragement. Some of you might be thinking, why are you having this here why is this even in here because the word of God tells us that there's power in a tongue so you and I can go out tomorrow to our perspective places we can either take this little bull whip that comes out of the cage and tear people down or we can lift people up what's going to be better because we all need encouragement the last one's this. I talk about my faith with those who are not yet Christians. A lot of people, they use this excuse in Christendom. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about this. Ask the guy sports stats. It's a sports fanatic, and he'll tell you who won the World Series in 1983. You're up on those things that you cater to the most. Ask the lady about a recipe and she'd probably whoop it off top of her head because it's something she may be passionate about. But are you passionate about talking to other people when you have the opportunity that are not Christians yet? Do you pray for people who are not Christians yet? Have you invited somebody to church this past week? So 
You can tally those things up. And my prayer is, as you have done this, I challenge you, whatever the number is, that you're going to make a goal to go to the next level to become who God created you to be. And whether your score is higher or lower, everybody here in this auditorium and every one of you watching online, we all have areas to work on. We got to stay focused or we're going to slip back into ways that's going to keep us from becoming who God created us to be. Now, what's it going to take? It's a vital decision. It's taking responsibility. You got to take responsibility. Take responsibility. Look at the person next to you and say, take responsibility. Look back at them and say, you too, you know. We got to take responsibility. See, the number one problem that I see people who have been Christians for any period of time, listen to me closely, is that they refuse to take responsibility about their spiritual growth. That's what's happening. I'm talking about mature Christians. I see people come and go in the church all the time. I've been a pastor for over 20 years, and it's like a washing machine. They come in, they come out, they come in, they come out, they come in, they come out. Now, if you're a brand new Christian, understand the Bible's not going to read itself. You can read it. You can do it on an app. You can do it with a hard copy Bible. Man, I want to challenge you to pray. Get into a church family, whether it's this one or another one. Serve, give, grow. Get into a group and be accountable to somebody. Oh, whoa, I don't like that last part you said. Older Christians, they can be guilty of blaming everybody around them. Do you know that? You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, they blame folks at work. You know, they did this, and it made me cuss. Or, man, I, that church, or that church, that pastor wouldn't feed me. He, he just told stories all the time. Or, man, you don't understand. That pastor, he just can't do this. Or that church is that. We're all the time blaming. Listen, it becomes everybody else's responsibility to feed them. My job is to give you one meal a week. If, what are you going to do those six days? It's your job. your responsibility. I tell you what, I got a great idea. We all eat food. Let's go to Mexican today and we'll all eat one meal and we won't eat nothing until next Sunday. Woohoo! Everybody want to jump on that bandwagon? Can't jump on that spiritual bandwagon either. You got to feed yourself. You're going to dry up. You're going to starve spiritually. I'd hate to start feeding my kids again, my three daughters. That would be an ugly mess. I had to feed them food, put them in a big old high chair. <laughs> I'm calling you today, and I'm calling you out, and I'm challenging, I'm ch just like I challenge me, that we all become who God has created us to be. Don't be satisfied for whatever scale that you're at. If you're at 22, say, I'm going to 92. You know what I'm saying? What's it going to take? That relationship you have and how close you are with God that you want it. James 4 and 8, he says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. So who has the responsibility here to come close to God? Who has the responsibility? Tell me. We do, right? It's our responsibility to come close to God. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. My prayer is that ours is not divided. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we praise your holy name. We thank you, God, today that we have the opportunity not just to believe but be on a journey of, God, after we receive a becoming what you and who you created us to be to feel the purpose and the very passion of what you wanted to do in and through our lives on this side of heaven. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I pray, dear God, right now, Lord, that you would just bless each one here, God, that's online or those that's here in person, God, that they are going to say, yes, Heavenly Father. They're going to say, yes, Heavenly Father. I want to become everything you created me to be. As we continue to pray right now, I want to talk to the, the believers. If you know you've believed and received and you've been born again,
If you haven't been yet and you're not a Christian, you can lean out on this just for a moment. And I'll talk to you in just a moment. But how many of you know an area of your life that you want to take a step in and grow in this week? Would you just lift your hand and say, I know an area I want to grow in. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. You guys are awesome. I love you so much. Let's pray together for all of us. Father, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just bless us, God, as you challenge our hearts, God, to take steps of growth in our walk with you. God, do a work in our hearts, God. Give us the, the power of your spirit through the power of your name that this life will be lived to the fullest for you. This last thing is that I want to say to you, and especially people that's online. If you have been hurt by a perverted version of Christianity in this life, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, that I'm sorry. It wasn't supposed to be that way. Now I'm asking you to give the original version, the good news, an opportunity in your life like never before. And if you're online or you're in this auditorium right now and you've, you believe in God but you've never received Him, I want to ask you right now to steal your heart right now and ask Jesus to come in and say, Jesus, I need you today. I believe in you today. I want to receive you today. I want to become your child. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for all my wrongdoing. I ask you to save me, my life is yours, Lord. Now, if you have asking him, ask him from your depths of your soul to receive him as Lord. You are true in your soul and your heart to him. Then peace has entered and you have been born again. Thank him for that right where you're at. And he promises to give her Holy Spirit to you and you can live out this peace and passion and purpose because it is true, great joy for all people. Glory to you, God, today. Glory to you, God, today in the highest. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship church together. Come on, team. Thanks for joining us at Freedom Church Online. We're so excited that no matter what your situation is in life, You've made receiving God's word today a priority. If you've given your life to Jesus today, that's awesome. And we wanna know about it. As a church family, we wanna be there for you as you begin this exciting journey. If you're on the Freedom Church app or on our website, just hit the hamburger icon in the top left of your screen and hit connection card. Now, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, hit the link in the description. Just fill out the information on the form and let us know about this exciting decision that you have made. If you did receive Christ today for the first time, your next step would be baptism. If you notice on the form, there's a place to select that as well. You can also select any other next steps you may be interested in. Once you submit it, we'll be in contact with you to help you out and answer any questions that you may have. We also want to take this time to give back to God a portion of what He has so graciously given to us. 
If you're on our app or website, just hit the same hamburger icon from before and hit giving. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, just hit the link in the description. These all take you to a secure place to submit your offering. Also, just because we live in the age of technology doesn't mean you can't send in your tie the old fashioned way. If you seal it up in an envelope and send it to the address on your screen, that'll work just as well. We want everyone to be able to experience the blessings that come from being faithful and trusting God with what he has blessed us with. Thanks for joining us. We hope to see you all back with us next week.